welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that he will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. today. What a beautiful crowd we have here on this uh, special Sunday. So excited what the Lord has in store. Been praying for this service and I know God uh, has a purpose and a plan that he wants to accomplish and I'm excited for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, it's Mother's Day. We're honoring our moms today but over the last several years we've always had a, uh, a just a special guest to come and minister the word of God to us and we're thankful today again uh, Sister Beverly Weeks and her family are with us. She's a Christian author and speaker, uh, just a powerful, anointed lady of God. And uh, just looking forward to the word that has been laid on her heart to share uh, to us today. And uh, she has a lot of things that she's involved in, and we are no stranger to her. She's been here before and shared part of her ministry. Uh, we know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Miss Beverly, Executive Director of the Wayne Pregnancy Center and the Director of Cry Freedom Ministries. And uh, just doing a great job throughout our community. Uh, it, listen, uh, we've been honoring heroes, and we have a hero with us today uh, that God is using to make a difference in our community. So I want you to make welcome a great big old Mount Olive welcome to Miss Beverly Weeks. Let's welcome her to the stage. <clears throat> mm. Now, before I give her this microphone, she's going to take off in just a minute, so you buckle up. But listen, uh, Miss Beverly, we wanted to present you, uh, over the last few weeks, we've been honoring local community heroes, and uh, we knew you were going to be with us today, and we know the impact that you're making for the kingdom of God and throughout our community, uh, through the Wayne Pregnancy Center and the Cry of Freedom, and I know you'll probably share a little bit about that today, but I'm telling you, this, this lady and her team, they're in the business of saving lives. They're in the uh, business of making a difference for the kingdom of God. So our church recognizes that you are a community hero, and we wanted to present this plaque to you on behalf of Mount Olive First PH Church, just acknowledging that you are a community hero, and that's presented by us as to the Wayne Pregnancy Center and the Cry Freedom Ministries as well. And this, this is a love offering from our church to the Wayne Pregnancy Center to help you all continue with your mission to go forward uh, just impacting lives and saving people for the kingdom of God. <laughs> it's hot up here. I tell you feel like a piece of fried chicken under them lights up there. But listen, we love you and we appreciate your ministry and we thank God for you. So God bless you. And if you want me to, I'll put that down on the pew for you. But let's 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 thank God for Miss Beverly and her team. Thank you. God bless you. I wasn't expecting that. If so, I would have wore my waterproof mascara. My waterproof. I am so excited to be with you today. And if you do not know me, just sit back, relax. It is okay to have fun in the house of the Lord, right? Christians to be some of the most happiest people you gather around. Um, thank you for that. What a blessing. And it is, it is tremendous to see all of you. Um, I'm still a little jet lag. I just got back this week from Costa Rica, suffering for Jesus in Costa Rica. And um, a beautiful place, um, but ministry can be tiring. And um, I preached Friday, um, Saturday, twice Saturday, and then preached Sunday. And they said, 
is there anything we can do for you? And I said, yes, I'm starving. I need something to eat. If you could get me something to eat. And they said, well, we have the perfect meal for you. Um, we have prepared a specialty for you. And I was like, oh, yes. And um, I'm like, do y'all have any sweet tea back there? And, of course, they didn't have any sweet tea. So they brought me a meal. I began to chew on it. And I'm like, this is very interesting. And I'm like, what am I eating? And they're like, you're eating octopus. And I'm like, ooh. And so I did not want to embarrass them in any way. So I was like, I'm just going to pretend like this is an overcooked Chick-fil-A nugget that I'm chewing on. And that still did not work. So I am really looking forward to my piece of fried chicken, honey, today when we leave Mount Olive, um, Mount Olive Church. I um, bring you greetings from my son, too. I am grateful that my family is here today, that my daughter, Macy, is here. And then we have a son, Tyler, who is 20, who is still single. His cell phone number is 919-709. And then we have an amazing son that God brought into our life many years ago, Um he is 25 now. He's kind of out of the home, but he comes and he stays with us a lot on the weekends. His name is T. He is six foot three, weighs a little bit over 300 pounds. And um, if you've ever seen the movie Blind Side, well, he is just um, he's just an amazing guy. He's just a, he. We love him. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Happy Mother's Day to um, the women who are still wanting to be a mom and I pray that the Lord will just plant that seed and that he will give you that he will give you the desires of your heart he'll give you the desires of your heart and then happy Mother's Day also to the moms who have stepped into roles um, they call them stepmoms I say you are a mom um, it is very difficult sometimes dealing with a blended family so happy Mother's Day and then happy Mother's Day you know Mother's Day for many can be happy especially when they come into a church and give you a box of chocolate but it can also be a grieving time for many um, and so I pray for that woman this morning that is just trying to feel comfort to be comforted today and that you're grieving. So I want to share a message with you. The Lord um, has really, really been dealing with me lately about broken people. Crowd Freedom Missions was the part of the ministry that the Pregnancy Center started probably roughly about two to three years ago in sex trafficking. You may not know this, but our state, the state of North Carolina, has the eighth highest reported numbers right now for sex trafficking. I never knew that that ministry was going to demand so much of my time and that we would be out doing rescues in the middle of the night, um, that we would put ourselves in places that um, people will ask, do you fear for your life? That's the first question everywhere I go. Do you fear for your life? Um, and I see some of you and recognize that some of you even work in law enforcement and know what we do. Who would not fear for their life if you're standing in a hotel at 2 o'clock or in a crack house at 2 o'clock in the morning and a pimp is standing there with you and you see a gun in his pocket? Who would not fear for their life? But if we don't go, who will go? And if we don't love them, who will love them? These are somebody's sons and these are somebody's daughters. And right now, human trafficking, sex trafficking is a $150 billion industry a year right now. It's second only to drug trafficking. 
And how many of you know the enemy wants to wipe our families out? That he wants to wipe our marriages and he wants to wipe our homes out. And he is doing that um, a lot through pornography. And so it is just a booming industry. And so we are just going in to try to rescue these girls. Also, we're going into the jail systems every Thursday. We do outreach to try to identify victims in the jail who have been in there for sex trafficking and prostitution and we're able to actually remove them, work with the judges, work with the lawyers and actually remove them away from the pimp, away from the drug dealer and get them into a safe house and that safe house they can live for up to two years there in that safe house and I wanted to share with you how this church has been involved because if you're new to this church you may not know that your church supports um, the this ministry that your church supports the pregnancy center and the cry freedom missions and because of this church because you know a lot of times you'll hear what other churches have done and how other churches um, what they do on the community but I want to tell you about this church because of this church over 60 babies were saved from abortion last year over 60 babies were saved from abortion that's a little over one a week. We have an ultrasound machine on site there that we can do the ultrasounds. We do free pregnancy tests, ultrasounds. We do parenting classes, life skill classes, cooking classes. I will tell you I do not teach that class. <laughs> cooking is not one of my spiritual gifts. But um, we do those kind of classes. And then we have the safe houses. Two of the girls that we rescued out of sex trafficking, one of them um, called me yesterday and said, Ma, I just want to tell you I love you and happy Mother's Day. She was shipped in a cargo box along the eastern coast um, waterways and was trafficked. And um, yesterday, you know, this church, again, has walked it out with us through your giving and helping us to love on these girls. Yesterday, she graduated. She received her GED. And so she knows that I was speaking at this church. And um, the girls just say, tell them thank you and tell them um, thank you for believing in us. She had ran away from the safe house. It's probably been maybe about eight months ago because she had um, PTSD. She had a trigger and she was eating cream of corn and that is what her abductor um, used to feed her was cream of corn along with some other things. And so she ran from the safe house and I had posted it on social media. I said, I'm looking you and I love you and I miss you. And um, one of the pastors in our community was actually having church, and we had many people praying for her. She had made her way, her way back from our safe house, which is in Newburgh, North Carolina, made her way back to Goldsboro, and a pastor called me around 7 o'clock, and he said, where are you at? He said, I need you to get to my church immediately, and I got to his church, and she had walked into the church that night screaming, and she says, call Beverly Weeks, call Beverly Weeks, somebody find Beverly Weeks, I'm ready to go back home. So I just thought that was a God thing, just a God thing, but God is moving. God is moving um, in these lives. I 
want to take you to the Old Testament today, to 1 Samuel chapter 30. I know that you have been studying heroes in the Bible, and I am going to take you to a story that many of us do not hear very much when it comes to David in the Bible, but I'm going to take you to a story in Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, if you will allow me. And I have a message specifically for this church this morning entitled, Bitter or Better? Will you make what is going on, your circumstance, your challenge that you're facing this morning, will it make you bitter or will it make you better? Will it make you better? When I was in Costa Rica, I met this couple who was vacationing in Costa Rica and they told me they had an olive farm. They have hundreds and hundreds of acres of olives. And I was telling her, um, you know, we were talking about how we as Christians are crushed sometimes, how we are pressed sometimes. I don't care, and I say this everywhere I go, how anointed you are, how gifted you are, how spiritual you are, you know that attacks will come, okay? You can sing in the choir, you can be on the praise team, you can be the pastor's wife, you can even be the pastor, but those attacks will come because, again, the enemy wants to wipe you out. He wants to wipe you out because his ultimate goal is to wipe the body of Christ out, to wipe the church out. Because you were created in the image of God, he does not like you. But he wants to wipe you out. And I was sharing all this with her, and she began to tell me about the process that the actual olive goes through. First of all, she really surprised me when she crushed me by telling me that an olive is actually a fruit all my life. All my 49 plus years I have been living, I always thought an olive was a vegetable. I always thought an olive was a vegetable. That olive, that olive tree has winds that come from the east and it has the winds and the rain that come through the west. The winds that come from the east on that olive tree to make that olive what it is is they will cause, those winds are very harsh. They come from the desert and they cause great heat and they cause great pain. She told me if there is green grass in the area and those winds come um, from the east that it will shrivel up a piece of grass within a day. That's how harsh and how hot that those winds are. The winds from the west that come in are the winds that replenish and bring the rain. An olive, if you were to pick an olive straight from the tree, she tells me you cannot eat it. It is completely bitter. It is completely bitter. It will make your mouth just cringe. It is so bitter. For that process, they have to wash those olives. They have to wash the olives. They have to soak them. They have to salt them. And then they even press those olives. There's a process that that olive goes to to make it fruitful where you can actually enjoy it on your pizzas, on your salads, on your ice creams, whatever you want to put your olives on, okay? Just like the Christian, just like us in our walk with Christ, we have to go through a process. 
And the very last process with that olive is to preserve that olive. They actually press it and they crush it, and that's what brings forth that oil. And that is how we are in our Christian walk, that we're being crushed and we're being pressed and we're walking through this journey, this process of life, but then it will produce our oil. It will produce our oil. So I'm going to take you here in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm going to set the stage for you in this story. So we know that David has been on the run from a mean king. And if you know, if you've ever attended any of my messages, you know we do this kind of like a class setting. So David has been on the run from a mean king, and his name is what? Saul. David has been... Um, fighting in a battle, and King Ashish has sent David back and his men back to the land of Ziklag, to the land of Ziklag. Say Ziklag with me. Now, Ziklag is interesting. When I was studying the Hebrew um, root verb of that word, it actually means to be pressed. It means to be crushed. It means to be pressed mentally. And so David and his men have come back from battle, and they are on this trek to get home. It's a three-day, 50-mile journey. And David and his men are worn out from the battle. They're physically, they are mentally exhausted, and they want to see their families. And they're coming up the hill, and they're just thinking in their mind, Oh, if I could just get home. Oh, if I could just get to my to Ziklag, to my wife, to my children, maybe kick back on their recliner, get some fried chicken or some Chick-fil-A Jesus chicken and some mashed potatoes and gravy. But something happens when they get there. So we're going to go to verse 30. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. I just want to stop right there. Now it it happened. You need to know that life happens. Life happens. That just because you are a woman of God or a man of God does not mean that you're going to be exempt from troubles and trials, but life happens. When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklagged, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and the men who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So we see the Amalekites, say that word with me, Amalekites, they are the bad guys, okay? The Israelites are the good guys, the Amalekites are the bad guys, and they have had a raiding party. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. I would say that this was probably one of the worst days of David's life. One of the worst days of David's life to come to the land of Ziklag, find that the home has been burned, and all he is doing is just standing there with his men in a ruin of ashes. But not only has the wives been taken, but also the children, also the children. And I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine what that would feel like to come um, home. I know that sometimes I've put myself in situations where people have threatened 
to do things to my children or to snatch my children from me or say, if you don't leave my girl alone, your girl will be the next girl. And I can, and just the fear of sometimes walking around with that, I can only imagine David comes back and their children have been taken. Then, the, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. I thought that was interesting. They had got to the place where they didn't even know how to weep. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Maybe you have walked in this morning and you are carrying a situation. You've walked into the room. Isn't it interesting on Sunday morning how everybody looks like they have it together? Everybody looks like they have it together. Right before I left Costa Rica, and y'all know I love to get real. Um, right before I left Costa Rica, isn't it amazing, even in ministry, have you ever noticed attacks come right before you're going to minister? Right before you're going to minister. And this is kind of like the scene at my house. Y'all, all, I know y'all are perfect, but at our house, we're driving in the car, and, you know, you hear something like, He licked my Pop-Tart. Why did you lick her Pop-Tart? You're 20 years old. You're in ministry, and you're licking her Pop-Tart. And then you're screaming, and then you're yelling, and then you're saying, you know what? I'm going to pull. Has anybody ever said that? I'm going to pull this car over. And then I walked in the house, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, your room. It looks like a bomb has exploded in here. And then I walked over. Are you about to get saved? Is this good? I'm telling the truth, right? And then I walked to the um, um, dish thing where you wash the dishes, the sink. <laughs> Woo! Dr. Quinn, tell them I've had it rough this week, right? She and I delivered a baby this week at 1.30 in the morning, and the woman had my hair just like this, and I'm like, you better let go of my hair. Um, but you walk over, and I, my husband says I'm just a little ACD or OCD. ACD is a rock group, right? And, and I, you know, I walked over to the sink. I had left everything clean, and I found it full of... His dishes, okay? And so I'm like, y'all cannot even clean the dishes. And I'm like, I have got to go right. I'm just telling y'all, I have got to go to this church and tell these people, give these people some Jesus. <laughs> and y'all are not making it easy for me. And then you walk into the church at Mount Olive PH on a Sunday morning and you say, bless God. <laughs> How are you today? Because I'm doing well. Because at my house, it is well with my soul. Because for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But do y'all know what I'm talking about? Please tell me I'm not the only one, right? Whew. I mean, everything. But David had went, he and his army, he and his army, and here they are, they find themselves at the point where they don't even know how to pray, where they don't even know how to pray. I believe that there are some people under the sound of my breath this morning, and you are walking out a difficult situation. It may be in your marriage, it may be in your home, 
It may be with your children. It may be with your help, with your health. And maybe you even find yourself in a situation where you don't even know how to pray. Nine years ago, before my husband and I started marriage ministry, I share, and I've shared every year I've came with you, our marriage was broken. To where, if it makes any sense to anybody living in this room, we had got to the place where we merely were just living together as roommates. And I remember sitting on the end of my bed with my fist just thrown up into the air, and I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't even know the words that I should even say. But I want you to know that Jesus is with you even when you can't find the words to say. That he just wants to hear the moanings and the groanings of your heart. I remember getting off my bed and just circling around our house and just weeping. And the only thing that could come to my mind was the name Jesus. Jesus. But how many of you know there is power in the name of Jesus? There is power in the name of Jesus. Speaking that name can change everything. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because of the soul of the people was grieved every man for his sons and his daughters. Isn't it something? They're in the midst here and everybody's wanting to cast blame on someone. You ever notice sometimes in your Christian life how sometimes you are being unlawfully or unwillfully blamed for something? doesn't feel so good, does it? But it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God or encouraged himself in his God. I am going to give you just a few steps as a mom, as a woman of God, as a man, as a father, when everything around you looks like it's fallen apart. When all of hell, because you know that hell has broken loose, right? That this is spiritual, this is warfare, this is demonic warfare that you are fighting against. When the enemy tries to come in, attack your home through pornography, through whatever ways, through your marriage that he may try to attack you in, I want you to understand this morning that you as a Christian that you have the power. The Bible says in Luke that you have the power to trample over the snakes and the scorpions, that you have the authority to take back your home, to take back your health, to take back your marriage, to take back your mind. The first thing that David did when everything looked like it was falling apart around him, he could have become bitter and just laid in the ashes and wept himself. But the first thing he did is encourage himself in the Lord. When nothing is going right in your life, when you feel like you are that mom and you are having an emotional meltdown. Any mamas in here ever had an emotional meltdown? When you're comparing yourself on social media mm, and everybody's good days, because you know nobody posts their bad days on social media, right? I did not get on social media that morning and say, I just screamed at everybody in the house. 
Nobody posts their bad pictures on Facebook, right? Or Twitter or Instagram or all their mess. Matter of fact, it's so funny to me when you look at all the pictures on social media, everybody has chopped and cropped everything just to make it just, just look great. But the first thing that David realized, because everything was messy, instead of becoming bitter to make it better, the first thing you got to do is encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to pray. You've got to get in the Word of God and see what does the Word of God say about your situation. Be careful. Be cautious. If the advice being whispered in your ear is not godly, biblical-based advice, you need to run from it. Be cautious not to get your answers from social media. I even looked at the verses. You know, I, I say, oh, I love to read some of the scriptures and some of the things that people are posting on Facebook, and then I can read it. And somebody had interpreted that such and such scripture was in the Bible, and it was saying all this, and it sounded feel good. And then I looked it up, and I'm like, that's not even in the Bible. That's not the way it says. Get in the Word of God and see what does the Word of God say about your situation. And you can never face a battle without prayer. Without prayer. I share with you guys when I was here last year how I had been given some information. And more so lately... um, Cry Freedom has been able to work closer with the SBI and going in and preparing for rescues. And I'll just be, I'll be honest with you guys. I am shocked. I am shocked. I think maybe it was because I was protected. I grew up in a very wealthy, very rich city called Nahunta, North Carolina. Um, So... I'll be honest with you, you did not hear very much about prostitution. And when I would see uh, prostitutes walking down the street, I'll be honest with you, I looked at them and the first thing that came to my mind is they could be doing something different. They could be doing something different. And then I began to hear their stories, began to hear their stories and to hear their hearts and to hear them weep and say, you know what, I never wanted to be a prostitute or I never wanted to get involved and be prisoner to a drug addiction, to a drug addiction. Just like Miss Quinn, the young lady that we delivered her baby Thursday night, how she wept there, forced in prostitution at age seven by her mother who had a drug addiction and started prostituting her out at age seven. Before you can even walk in a battle, before you can even get up that morning, before I can even get up that morning and realize this could be the day that somebody tries to wipe you out, you got to be armed with prayer. You got to be armed with prayer. David knew he had to be armed with prayer. In verse 7 through 9, for the sake of time, David acquires the Lord. He wants to know, what do you want me to do about the situation? So he calls for the priest Abiathar and asked him to bring the ephod. And then he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do about the situation? Always inquire of the Lord. 
Always inquire of the Lord. But he says, what do you want me to do about the situation? So David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those who stayed were left behind. Then you skip down to verse 2, and it says, David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary they could not cross the brook Besor. I kept reading that, Pastor Jeff, and I'm like, now he has 600, and now he has 400. I really never think God does anything accidentally with the Bible. And so I kind of pick at it and try to learn from it and say, Lord, what are you trying to show me here? He had 600, then he has 400. The second thing I want you to notice when you're facing something, whatever this battle is that can make you bitter, he acquired of the Lord, he prayed, he asked God, what do you want me to do? And then we see here that he has to to leave some people, some things behind. As you're walking out your battle, as you're walking out your crisis that you have walked in here this morning with, the next thing that you realize is you may have to leave some things or some people behind. You may have to leave some negative things that have been said to you behind. Labels like you'll never amount to anything. You may have to leave some unforgiveness behind. Do you know that one of the ways that Satan can stunt you in your calling and your giftings with Christ to the next level he wants to take you through is he can kill you, he can stunt you through unforgiveness. Through unforgiveness. But you may have to leave some things behind. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they left him, um, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. When I read this, I was like, woohoo! They had little Debbie cakes back then. <laughs> them things are good with the cream all in them. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And they gave him a piece of cake and figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. And he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. So here we have this little Egyptian slave, and he is sick. He's sick. And the Amalekites, the bad guys, recognize that he's sick, and so they leave him for dead. But here David is. David is in the crisis of his life and he decides to minister even in his crisis. Do you realize the value of ministry even when you are in the midst of your crisis? Do you realize the value of taking your eyes off of yourself sometimes and putting them on the other person how much that can minister to you? Do you realize the value that the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord? That it is no accident that every single person that you come in contact with, God has ordained for you to be in contact with them for that season of your life. Even the person who is sitting beside you right now that gets on your nerves. They are there for a purpose. 
When I started looking at my life that every single person is placed there for a reason, everything changed. Because I started looking at the individual, even that I would reach my hand to, out as an appointment by God. The third thing, when everything in life is falling apart that I just picked up out of those verses, is you have got to rally your support team. You can still be saved and not go to church. One of Satan's greatest weapons, though, is isolation. He wants to wipe you out, make you think you are the only one walking out what you are walking out. We need to stop gossiping about each other, and we need to start loving on each other more. We all need each other. you got to rally your support team while you're leaving some of those things behind. In the early 90s, in the early 90s, I was working as a news reporter. I had heard that Dan Quayle was going to be coming to Johnston County. He was going to be at um, in Kenley, North Carolina. And so I was a starving news reporter, and I knew that I wanted to get this story so that the story could be on the front page, and I maybe could buy some money and get me some eggs. So I called the White House. It was easier to get back to the White House back then than it is now, okay? I called, I think it was a total of 102 times. I was able to get up with a man named Mike Beckwith. At the time, he was the publicist or he was the marketing. He handled everything. He was the PR guy for Dan Quayle. I'll be honest with y'all, I had a little crush on Dan Quayle. I, I didn't care that he couldn't spell potato, okay? I just had a crush on him. And some of the young people are like, who in the world is Dan Quayle? I mean, who he, he was the vice president, okay? And so I kept calling and calling, and I said, I have got to get this interview. I have got to get this interview. And I kept begging and begging and begging. Like when your mom tells you you can't have another piece of candy, the best thing to do is keep begging and begging. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Don't do that. Um, but I kept begging and begging, and I, I could tell through his voice and his tone um, I was getting on his nerves a little bit. So he said, Miss Hennett, because that was my maiden name back then, he said, what we're going to let you do is he will be at Patrick's Restaurant in Kenley, and he will pull up on the bus if you would like to talk with him. And so I went to Kenley. It was packed that day with every single news reporter you could imagine. There was Fox News, there was CBS, there was NBC, ABC, everybody, and then there was the one little lady from Nahana. And everybody was acting very classy, very dignified. The bus rolled up, and, you know, they were running for second term, um, him and Bush. And the bus rolled up, rolled up, and it had their signs plastered. And when they got off, everybody was like, you know, Mr. Vice President, Mr. Vice President, except one person. Hey! <laughs> I need to get on the bus! I've got to have this interview. You do not understand. This could be so life-changing for me. I have got to interview Dan Quayle. And everybody in the reporter section was like, you've got to hush. 
Like, you're really embarrassing us. Like, you really need to get your attitude, you know, you need to get your act together. Um, you know, because we're much more dignified than that. Look, when you're wanting to do something for God, when you're, and I'm using this funny story to command, when you're wanting to do something, when you're wanting to move ahead to the next level, I'm going to tell you there are going to be people that will come against you with negative thoughts, negative words. How many of you know they can only, they can all also be in your own family, even in your own church? So they told me to hush, but I was like blind Bartimaeus. You know what I did? I screamed even louder. I need to get on the bus. And I started screaming and screaming. Finally, I looked like the donkey on Shrek. Pick me, pick me, pick me. And about that time, Secret Service stopped, um, got off of the bus and came over to where I was. And they were like, shh, get on the bus. So I got on the bus. I interviewed Dan Quayle. I was just so giddy. He goes, what do you want to ask me? And I was just staring at him because, you know, I had come from Nahana. I was working at that TV station in Johnston County. And, oh, my goodness, I was so excited. I'm like, the Nahana girl got the interview over everybody else. And he kept staring at me, Dan Quayle. And he says, don't you want to ask me any questions? And I'm like, Yes, and um, 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 do you know Sandy Patty? <laughs> and he said, Sandy Patty? I said, she's a gospel singer. She sings opera. I said, would you like for me to sing some for you, Mr. Quayle? And he was like, sure. And the Secret Service is like, go ahead. And I was like, oh, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. He's like, oh my goodness. He loves me, this I know. And I took him by the chin like that. Oh, oh, oh. The sad thing is y'all think I'm making this up. I am not making this up. <laughs> For the Bible, it tells me. Woo. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, can y'all do that again? So, yes, yes. He did the same thing. He was like, that was so good. That was, that was so good. But we made it all the way to Johnson County. If you'll come on and start playing softly, that is my cue. We made it all the way to Johnston County. We got off of the bus. All the news reporters were there. Dan Quayle stepped off. Secret Service stepped off. Everybody stepped off. And guess who else stepped off? I shared that cute thing to say, you got to rally your support team. Everything will look like it's falling apart. We were never made, we were never equipped to handle our burdens alone. Being a mom can be tough. Being a woman of God can be tough. Being a father, being a man of God can be tough. 
David realized he could not get through this mess. He could not get through this mess. This mess was going to be make him bitter unless he rallied his support team, which consisted of his God and the fact that he needed other people. So they took that little Egyptian slave, and David said, I want you to take us to the Malachites. I want you to take us to the bad guys. Because the Lord has already promised me I am going to recover it all. Because the Lord says, David, you go, and you're going to recover it all. And he says, I'll take you, David, if you promise not to kill me or give me over to the king. And so they came, and it says, then David attacked them. David comes up to the Amalekites, takes them by surprise, and attacks them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 men who rode on their camels and fled. But it says right here in verse 18, David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which had taken from them. David recovered it all. The last thing I want you to understand about your battle that you're going through this morning is that with God on your side, you are victorious and you will recover all. You will recover it all. That fear that you are facing this morning, that fear that you've been carrying, that burden. You can either face it or you can run from it. There's two definitions of fear. Flee everything and run. Flee everything and run or face everything and rise face everything and rise you will recover it all God did restore our marriage God did restore our home that's a whole nother message I want to share with you sometime but I remember speaking at that first marriage conference first marriage conference and sitting on the back row and just weeping as I saw all the couples doing their marriage assignments that we had given them and I thought to myself, God, you know what? If you had healed my marriage the first time I asked you to, we would not have even had to walk this out. If you had healed it and if you had come through in the battle the first time I asked you to, my husband would not have had to walk out depression because his wife had walked out on him. If you had healed it and came through in the process when I asked you to, my children would have never had to walk out what they walked out. Every time I would pick them up and they would leave their father, it was like they had just left the site of a freshly dug grave. If you had answered it, if you had come through when we asked you to, we would not have wiped out all of our savings at that time trying to survive with two different households. That was a crushing time. 
that was a pressing time. I felt like that olive being crushed. And then the Holy Spirit said, if I had healed it the first time you asked me to, there would be no ministry. You would not be going around sharing with other couples what Christ can do for you. You see, we are crushed. 2 Corinthians says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. What are you going to do as a mom, as a dad? Stand with me. As a mom, as a dad, when everything in life looks like it's completely falling apart. As I held that newborn baby in my arms Thursday night at 1.30. See, that mother originally had tried to deliver that baby on a hotel floor because she knew that she cannot parent. She knew because of the PTSD, because of the trauma, because of everything that she has been through, that come tomorrow that little baby will be taken from her arms. And all she will be holding tomorrow when I leave her room is just an empty blanket with no baby. Weeping at me, Miss Beverly, all I've ever wanted in my life is just one person who will love me. And she looked at me and Phyllis and she, I said, what can I do for you? What can I say to you for this Mother's Day? How can I help you? And she says, you can give me that, my little baby. She has nothing. But I want to show her, when I go tomorrow, I will tell her, not only do I love you, Amy, but there is a church over in Mount Olive and that no matter what you've ever been through, no matter where you've ever been, no matter what's ever been done to you, there is a church over there and they love you. And so I come with the resources that this church has given me to bring you this whatever I will bring her tomorrow, this little token, and say that there is a man that loves you, Amy. He thought you were the most precious, valued thing before your feet ever hit the floor. Whatever you're going through this morning, whatever your battle, maybe it's a prodigal child, maybe you are struggling with an addiction. Maybe it's a pornography addiction and nobody knows. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you are like I was those nine years ago when I went to my husband and said, I just don't feel You got to pray. You got to go to the Word of God. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You got to rally your support team. And then you prepare for victory because David did recover all. You'll recover your joy. When you're in Christ, when you're in Christ, you have the promise that you'll recover it all your joy, your hope. 
I want to pray for you before we leave. With nobody looking around, on this Mother's Day, you would get real with me and you would just slip your hand up and you would say, this Jesus that you're talking about, I don't know him. I don't have him in my heart. I've never turned everything over to Jesus, but I want to trust him. On this Mother's Day, whether you're a male or a female, I want to trust him. I, I need some hope. I, I need to cling to Jesus for my situation. I need Jesus to come into my heart while nobody's looking around. Would you just lift your hand up and say, I want to turn my life over to Christ and put your hand right back down. Is there anybody that would say, I need, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I need this Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Ma'am, I want to pray specifically for you. If you would just pray this prayer in your heart with me. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And God, I am asking you to come into my heart and to cleanse me and to save me from my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me and that you are coming back. And Lord, I will live with you in heaven. But I'm asking you, Lord, to be my hope to be my Savior in the name of Jesus. You're struggling this morning. You're struggling with a battle, a certain situation, and you feel like David in the land of Ziklag. And you feel like you're standing in ashes of ruin. If you'll just raise your hand so I can remember you in this prayer. It may be a situation with a child, yes. It may be a situation with an addiction, with health. If you'll just slip your hand up real quickly and put it back down and I'm going to pray for you. Yes, yes, yes. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this amazing Mother's Day Sunday. I realize that this church could have gotten anyone in this country to come and speak, Father God. But before I was even formed in my mother's womb, Lord, you blessed me with this opportunity, Father God. You knew I would be here. You knew that these words would be spoken from my mouth, Father God. So, Lord, I pray, Philippians 4, 9, that... We would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word, Lord. I pray for the ones who are struggling this morning, Lord. They're struggling within their marriages, within their homes, with prodigal children, with financial situations that have them grieving, um, with health issues, Lord. And they feel like David in the land of Ziklag, and they are just standing there in their ruins, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you will be their savior, that they will find hope, that they will be encouraged that they will be comforted for their situation, Father God, Lord, and that they will know that even though their eyes cannot see anything physically, Lord, it may look very grim around them, Lord, but you are working and moving in their situation even when they cannot see or feel a thing happening, Father God. I pray that this Mother's Day that they will be encouraged, Father God, Lord, that you will line up people in their path, pay, place people in their path, Lord, that it can encourage them and that can walk out these situations with them, Father God. And let them rest in the promise found in Samuel here, Lord. The same promise that you gave David still stands for us today, Lord, that we will recover all, that we will recover all, Father God. Move mightily 
I pray for every mom in here, Lord, who's feeling overwhelmed, who's feeling burdened. I pray right now in the name of Jesus for the one who is struggling with depression, feeling like she can barely hang on, Lord, that you would move mightily in the lives of Move mightily, Lord. I pray for that one grieving, wanting to become a mom, Lord, that you would give her the desires of her heart, Father God, Lord. Now, Lord, keep us safe. Keep us safe, Lord. Thank you for your word and how it is powerful, Lord, and it is active, Lord, within our hearts, Lord.